title of my message is called, What is Your As Usual? And the first slide said, work, eat, sleep, repeat. Work, ah, there it is as I speak. Work, eat, sleep, repeat. That sounds pretty normal, doesn't it? Or eat, work, sleep, no, eat, Work, eat, work, eat, sleep, repeat. That's probably more what my day would look like. But you get what I mean. That's, we have our usuals of what hap is happening. I was having my quiet time as usual, which I try and do most mornings. And if you've been reading the word for today, one part of the soul food reading was, we've just finished the book of Luke and now we're in the book of John, but a plug for the word for today, new ones are out there, out in the foyer. Pastor Rob and myself would love you to grab a copy. If you are reading the word for today and then you go through the soul food reading, you will go, I remember reading that. Oh boy, I never saw that. You're really clever, Pastor Rob, because if you make it a daily habit to read your Bible, God speaks to us through the word of God. So, I was reading the book of Luke in chapter 22. So, thank you, Lulu. You got your communion message out of that. In the book of Luke, there's so many great stories. A lot of Jesus parables in there. But anyways, in this chapter 22, first of all, the first part talks about Judas has agreed to betray Jesus. So, he's gone to the high priest and says, yep, I'll betray him. Then... They're having the Last Supper, which we just heard about over communion. After that time, Jesus tells Peter that you're going to betray me three times. Oh, no, I'd never do that. I, I would do whatever it took. I'm never going to do that. Well, we actually know that he did. Then it tells us that Jesus goes into the garden to pray. So let's just pick it up at verse 39 of 22. And it says, Then accompanied by the disciples... Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Now, I just, the two words weren't highlighted in the Bible, but the Holy Spirit highlighted them to me. These two words, it said, as usual. Do you know, straight after they were praying, guess what happened? Judas came with the people to arrest Jesus because I thought it wasn't very hard for Judas to organise a meeting point because he knew after they celebrate the Passover supper, what are they going to be doing? As usual, into the garden to pray. Like it was Jesus's as usual. So Judas didn't have to be a rocket scientist to work out a meeting point because they knew exactly what Jesus was going to be doing. He was going to be praying. And those two words, as usual, got me thinking. So the word as usual, this is how the dictionary defines it. It's a habit, a discipline. It's something that would normally happen. Eat, work, sleep, repeat. Eat, work, sleep, repeat. Or it's something that you normally do. That's an as usual. So I, thinking about Jesus as usual, going to the garden to pray, I was thinking... Pauline, what's some of your as-usuals? Can I tell you my good ones first? <laughs> that you understand why I have that title. Um, it's, I like to have a daily devotion time. And that for me is when I get up, 
usually before anyone else, read my Bible, read my little devotion, have a pray about what I've read. I like, one of my other as usuals is I like to have a lifestyle of prayer and praise so that if something comes up, I'll go, come on, we're going to pray about that. I want that to be those first things that come into my mind. When I'm in the car driving, my as usual is if you set, come into my car, not Pastor Rob's, into my car, you will hear a Christian preaching, you will hear Christian singing, you will have the radio station set to a Christian station. That is my as usual. Because I don't know about you, but I sometimes heard a song on that my kids are listening to and I'm going, what do those words say? No, you're not playing that song in this house. Like, have you heard the garbage that's on some of those songs on the radio? Seriously, what are you speaking into your heart? Anyway, that's just my as usual. I won't get on that bandwagon today. Another as usual for me is if I'm feeling unwell... The first thing I would do is say, usually to Rob, can you pray for me? I've got a headache, my back hurts, something's not right. Before I reach for the paracetamol, that is the first thing I do. I'm not saying I never take a Panadol, but the first thing I like to do is pray. You ask our children. When our children were young, I remember Mariah was in reception and they weren't at a Christian school and Mariah had fallen over and hurt her knee. And she was crying and the teacher goes up to her and says, what do you want me to do for you? And she goes, pray for it. <laughs> what, what else is she going to know to do? That, that's the, that was the as usual in our house that they heard themselves. You give them a prayer and you send them on their way. Um, another as usual for, for me is every Sunday morning, Pastor Rob and myself have a date time at 6.30 Sunday mornings watching Hillsong. That's our date. I did say to Pastor Rob this morning, I said, um, if we're having a date, what do most people do? They probably would be snuggling up on the lounge and holding hands, wouldn't they? So we had got a little bit slack even in our date time. He's sitting there, I'm sitting there, watching Hillsong together. But you can hardly call it a date if we're not sitting there holding hands, being close to each other. So we had a really nice date this morning. I, another as usual is I attend church every week. Also, if I'm having a problem, I try to bring it out into the light. Instead of trying to deal with it internally, I try, so for me personally, if I feel like our marriage isn't going the way I think it should, I try and watch something that's good, that's going to help me and uplift me. Why do you think we're doing the vow at the moment? I'll tell you why, because a couple of months ago, I was feeling like, oh, I don't feel as connected to Rob as I should. And I just started watching this Craig Rochelle series called The Vow and it spoke to me and helped me so much I thought, I'm sure if it's going to help me, it's going to help some other people too. So that's what I do. That's my as usual. And another as usual is I personally love having regular fellowship with other believers. So for me, Sunday is something that I want to do. I get to be here on a Sunday morning. So there are a few of my good as usuals. Do you want to hear some of my others? No, nah, we'll just move on, shall we? No, you gotta, if you hear the good, you've got to hear the bad, don't you? So I get pretty excited when good things happen. If I go out with a friend, I usually like to bless them. If you know me and you've been out with me, don't tell me you like something because the reality is I, if I could and I can, I'd like to get it for you. If This is my other as usual. If one of my unmarried children get asked to do a job at home, 
I like it to be done relatively straight away. I don't want you to do it in two hours. If I'm kind of going, can you do that? I'm kind of meaning now. Otherwise, I have a tendency to react. If you do not stack the mugs and the glasses or the cutlery the right way in the drawer, my husband thinks it's OCD. I just think I like a job being done correctly. That's an as usual for me. If you was to come in my car today, you will not find empty drink cartons or dockets all over the floor or finger marks on the window. My as usual is I like to keep a clean car. That's just me. So it's not like, oh no, someone's coming in. Move the stuff off the back chair because it should be okay for you to get into. On a Monday night, this is my last one, my, my last as usual. And then you've heard enough from Pauline and we better hear what Jesus says. On a Monday night, we have what we call family tea night. Now, on that night, I will not serve apricot chicken or corn silverside because my married daughter doesn't like them. And she's coming for tea, and so I actually want to cook food that my kids love eating. So we've got six other nights of the week to eat those two because we personally like apricot chicken and corn silverside. But my married daughter doesn't, so that's, that's our as usual. So now you know my life, okay? But... My life is not going to help your life. Some of it will. But what I want us to do this morning is go through the as usuals of Jesus. And what did he usually do that we can build our life upon? This list is by no means comprehensive, but these are just a few as usuals. You know what? I don't even have the clicker, Amy, so I can't click the next slide. So the first as usual is... Um, Miracles followed him. There are so many, so many miracles that Jesus performed. I've only chosen a few. The first one, you can do the next slide, Amy, is a story about a woman who had bleeding for 12 years. You find her story in Luke chapter 8 and verses 43 to 48. This lady had resourced had exhausted all of her options of getting help. But she had heard about this man, Jesus. And she knew the crowds followed him. Do you hear all these stories where crowds followed him? Crowds followed him. We're going to see a next miracle where there was 5,000 men. That wasn't counting the women and children. So there was always huge crowds around Jesus. But she thought, if I could just get in and touch him, I'm going to be healed. And that's exactly what happened. She pressed her way in, even though she wasn't meant to be out. She pressed her way in just so that she could touch the end of Jesus' garment. And the moment that happened, Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples would have been going, Jesus, there's thousands of people around you. As if someone's going to have touched you. But he knew that healing had gone from his body. And you know what he said to the lady in verse 48? Your faith has made you well. And that's the kind of thing that Jesus wants us to have faith. Because we believe he's a miracle working God. We need to have faith. How about the next one? The next one always makes me smile a little bit. And this one's found in Mark 1. 30 to 31. It said, Now Peter's mother in law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. Why did they tell Jesus about Peter's mother in law having a high fever? So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. Now, 
You men might read straight past that, but Pauline, the way her brain works, it just doesn't. The reason it makes me smile is because if you have the gift of hospitality, why was this woman known to get up and prepare a meal? So I'm kind of feeling like her gift is hospitality. And I do not think this is the first time Jesus had tasted her cooking. I think she was an Italian mama or an Israeli mama who did pretty good something, gyros, falafel, whatever they make over there. Clearly, I haven't been on a Holy Land tour, Pastor Rob. Maybe I need to go on one so I know the food that they eat. So it says instantly the fever left her and she's now cooking them a beautiful dinner. So there's a miracle in itself. The fact is it's the mother-in-law, but um, she got up straight away from that miracle to cook them a food. Now, the next one has to talk about food as well because Pauline loves food, just so you know. And we're going to pick this one up in Matthew 14, 15, 17 for these couple. It says, That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That's not necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves of bread into pieces, he gave the bread to his disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. So just say each man had just one wife, there's 10,000. And then they had one child, and most of them had more than one child. So let's just say they all had two kids each. He fed 20 thousand people with five loaves and two fish there's a miracle right there now the other miracle in that story that you may not have seen was I've had four young children my children weren't always the age that they're at now and when we used to sit in a church service our kids could not go two hours without saying I'm hungry a two-hour church service and they had to say they were hungry or they needed something to eat this scripture verse is saying they were there all day, going into the evening, listening to him talking all day, and the kids aren't saying we're hungry, we're starving, give us something to eat. I think that's a miracle in itself. Don't know about you, but can you kind of see the way my brain sees? So miracles were and as usual for Jesus. This is I did a little bit of research. From recorded in scripture, there's 40 miracles. And if Jesus did most of his ministry in three years, that would mean a record, he had a recorded miracle over one a month. So miracles were pretty much and as usual for Jesus. And that leads me to my next point where he was a creative storyteller. Do you know what his stories were called? Parables. And there are 46 parables told throughout the Gospels of Matthew, Mark and Luke. 
The definition of a parable is, a parable is an illustrative story by which a familiar idea is cast by an unfamiliar idea in such a way that people can see the comparison and work out the story. So he'll give you something that you understand, put alongside something that you might not understand that concept for you to understand. It's like it says to us in Luke 6.39. A blind man tries to guide another blind man and they both fall into the ditch. This illustrates that when a man leaves his own shortcomings uncorrected, he can't help others correct them. Do you know, Jesus spoke about so many things. I'm not even going to try to talk about any of them because his 46, even if I gave it five seconds each little story, we'd be here a little while. So he spoke about lost sheep. He spoke about hidden treasure. He spoke about putting your lamp on a stand. He spoke about being a wise and a foolish builder. He spoke about wise and foolish virgins. He spoke about soil. He spoke about seeds. He spoke about being an unfruitful fig tree. He spoke about two sons. One obeys and one didn't. So this story always astounds me because I'm not telling you I always react like Jesus, but I want to make that my as usual. So the first son, the father asks him to help something and the son goes, yeah, sure, but doesn't help. The second son why do you always ask me to do it? I always get asked to help out in the field. Why do I have to go out today? It's so hot and sunny and there's never enough water and blah, 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 blah. But he does it. Who's, who's the better one? The one who winched and carried on. I don't want the winching and carrying on as well. I just want someone who just does it, like straight away. Jesus is good. He's a good storyteller. He puts it in everyday language that we understand. He spoke about the Good Samaritan. You need to be a friend to those in need. He even told us where to sit at a banquet. He gave us a lot of information, didn't he, Jesus? There was no subjects off limits to Jesus. My next point is children liked him. I don't know about you... But children sometimes can be a pretty good judge of character. Sometimes they can just be rude. But I know for us, we have known some lovely people in our time, but our children just haven't liked them. There was this one couple, they were a beautiful old couple, and when we were doing youth, when Josh was a young lad, I think he was a year and a half, and Mariah was a six months old or something, um, this beautiful couple, I don't even want to say their names in case they ever listen to the voice recording of One Heart Church, just so that you know, we are on podcast as well. Um, and Josh would say their names like, oh, Keith and Gloria, we love you if ever you do listen to this message. Um, he'd go, no, Keith and Glory, no, Keith and Glory, because he didn't want them to come and look after him. And they were doing us such a beautiful job and they were beautiful, beautiful people. But Josh just didn't like them for some reason. So what I'm saying is you just can't make your kids love some people. It doesn't matter how nice they are. Sometimes kids just don't like them. But guess what? Children like Jesus. And children liked him so much that I don't know about you, but I just feel Jesus was a really cool dude. I just feel like he was the one that was high-fiving them. 
if he had have had pockets, he probably had lollies to give them. Like, he would have just been that kind of... Did anybody, before I get on to the spiritual part this week, did anyone see this week how that young little boy hugged Prince Harry and, you know, played with his beard and rubbed his head? And I kind of thought, I think because I was preparing this, I was kind of going, that made me feel really warm. I don't know about you, but I was kind of going, I reckon Jesus had pretty warm character too. Like, you know, like he was so, he didn't care. I know it went against all royal protocol, but they were fine with it. And how many times, it's been on every single, every single station's kind of put that on Facebook that, oh, as if it was their, their advertising. But it just kind of reminded me that Jesus was a really nice, warm bloke. So anyway, let's go to the scripture because that's what's going to help us, hey? Some, one day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with the disciples. He said to them, let them come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. Can I do a bit of a plug for kids' church right now? You know, if I say that I love church, it means I love all areas of church. So if you have any inkling that you feel like you could be a person who puts a smile on their, your face, high fives, prays for them when they don't even know it, I want to talk to you after the service. I'm just saying come and talk to me. Because there have been young kids out there, if we think we're just talking to Christian kids, we don't. Because we've got people that pick up young children every week to come to kids' church and I say I honour you. This one young girl goes, but I don't know how to pray. And I say you know how you're talking to me right now? That's how I talk to Jesus. So you know what? I encourage them in everything. We just want to teach them to pray. We want to teach them to love Jesus. We want him, them to know that Jesus is a miracle-working God and he can work a miracle in their lives. So come and talk to me. I'd love to hear from you. Everything I read about Jesus and the more you see of his character, it makes me realise that every tiny bit of his character is what I want to be like. The next one, he was into prayer. Like he was really into prayer. Like he was really, 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 really into prayer. He had been with people all day. Now, this is what he does. After sending them home, he went up into the mountains by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So he's been with people all day, sent them away. He's gone to pray and then he's gone to pray until it gets dark, until after dark. The next one. One day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. I forgot to tell you the background of that story. Guess what he was doing? He was going to talk to his father to see who he should choose as his 12 disciples. And he prayed all night. Have any of us prayed all night about anything? I remember I was a teenager and we used to have all those all-night prayer vigils. Now I kind of understand why they used to do them. Come two o'clock in the morning, you probably found Pauline in the corner somewhere. I tried to stay awake. But maybe I was just like the disciples, can't you wait with me one hour? 
He was in anguish. I don't want to make a joke of that. He was actually in anguish. He, he was going to be killed here. He just wanted that support of people. But that's what Jesus did before he made a major decision. So I'm kind of going, if you're looking at a life partner, if things are not going right or you're just needing God's guidance and direction, I suggest we start doing some praying because he wants to talk to us. On Friday night, there, Rob called me into the office. And he goes, have a look. And there was two Lincoln parrots outside his office window, like pecking around at the grass. And as I tried to take a photo, but my photo skills, ask my kids, is not the greatest. I thought they weren't too bad, but clearly they weren't that great. But for me, I was just like going, thank you, Lord. You just wanted to show me these. We even have little blue wrens sometimes pop around on our deck. Anyways, you can see I love birds, clearly. I know that's weird, but I do. Beautiful, brightly coloured birds. Oh, God, a creation. Um... So, oh, so then yesterday morning, I was just thinking, I just felt like God was saying, Pauline, sometimes I just want you to stop, just stop, because guess what I was thinking about, those Lincoln parrots that God created, and just think about me, and tell me, like, you know, just tell him how good he is, like, just tell him, I adore him, and I love him, and you know, last night, I knew I was preaching today and you want to do all these really spiritual things, but you know what I did? I just went in my room, put on some worship music just so that I could worship him because I want that to be my lifestyle of worship to Jesus because we think we can be doing all this other stuff, but he sometimes just says stop and just spend some time with me. The next one, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up, went into an isolated place to pray. You know what? It didn't matter what time. He went early in the morning. He went late at night. He went in the afternoon. No, time's not a barrier. Just do it at some time. So Jesus, if he knew how important it was to pray, I think we need to make that a habit in our lives as well. The next thing. Oh, this is a good one too. I forgot this one. It says, this is about prayer. This is what Jesus is doing right now for us. It says, well, who then is the one who condemns no one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and he is also interceding for us. So he's still praying. He prayed all the time and he's still praying now. So we've got to make prayer a habit in our life. The next thing was his as usual, was he was in to fasting and the scripture. Now, I just want to set the pattern before we go into the bit when he was fasting. The reason that Jesus fasted, and he reveals this through the scripture, was to draw near to God. That was the purpose of fasting, is to draw near to God. So when you fast, sure, we can have answers and we want breakthroughs, but the ultimate reason needs to be is because we want to draw close to God. Because otherwise he's just Father Christmas God. Because if I do this, you'll do that. So just remember... Drawing near to God. That's why we want to do it. Now, also, he was into scripture. Do you remember, and you would have heard this, when Jesus was 12 years old, it says in, I couldn't believe how many times I found as usual in the Bible. It says in Luke 2, 41 to 52, it says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. This Passover festival was worth remembering they did it all the time that's why it was called the last supper it was their freedom from Egypt so it had a really significant 
meaning, this Passover festival. So even Jesus' parents were doing this. When Jesus was 12 years old, they, they attempted the festival. Guess what it said in my Bible? As usual. So it was something that they did all the time. After the celebration was over, guess what? They started heading home. But they started heading home without realising that their 12-year-old son was not with them, following. Now, they didn't realise all day because you know what? They thought he was talking to probably some of the uncles and aunties or other family members that had gone with them. But that night, when they realised they couldn't find him, Jesus' parents had to go back. And you know how many days they searched for him? Three days. They were searching for Jesus for three days. And you know where they found him? It says, three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. I just had this thought. I thought, did any of those leaders wonder why a 12-year-old boy was sitting in the temple with them? Like, had you ever asked that question? I didn't until last night. I did not ask that question until last night. And I went, so do you know what it tells me about Jesus' character? He would have been the one who was first there and last to leave. That's what I believe Jesus' character was because it was clearly normal for this kid to just be sitting in the temple all day listening to them. That The leaders probably came and go, went, did their thing and that young lad's just still sitting there because you know what? He was about his father's business right from a young age. But then it went on to say that the parents said, um, so the parents go, don't you know that we've been frantic, that we've been trying to find you? and We've been searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, Jesus said. Um, didn't you know I would, must be about my father's business? They didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them and his mother stored those things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in the favour of God with all people. So it's okay to have favour this way, but we better have some favour with some other people. So you know what that means? Do the right thing to the people around us as well. Because you can act like a super spiritual person this way, and I'm doing it all for God, but just make sure that this way we're doing the right thing as well. So that was about scripture. Jesus knew he needed to know what his father wanted him to do. So scripture would have been important because that's the way God actually talks to us now. Well, that's predominantly the way God talks to me is through the scripture. He reveals things to me. But then... When we talk about the fasting, I just want us to see a few things in this. So we'll just read these couple of verses and we'll keep skipping along. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit. So the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. So the Spirit's led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. He ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. I wonder why. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stones to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone. I want to draw a really big thing here. The devil quotes scripture. Just because someone said, thus saith the Lord, you better be careful it's not coming from the other guy. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give the glory of these kingdoms and authority over. Oh, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, as if it's his to give, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give 
it all to you if you would just worship me. Do you know what? The devil has no new tricks. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. Because he thought he was bigger than God. And they went, down you go. But he's still doing the same trick to Jesus, thinking, well, if you worship me, I'll give you all of this stuff. It's not his to give. Please, if I can say anything, nothing is his to give. All the devil wants to do is rip you off. He wants to kill, steal and destroy, but he comes as an angel of light. So sometimes you can think what you're being offered is something good. Just be really, really careful. Get into the scripture. Know what it says. Talk to a spiritual leader. Let them pray with you. It's really important. Jesus replied, the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity. So clearly that wasn't the only time he had to have that thing going on. But what I need you to understand is, just as Jesus fasted to prepare for his, for and ultimately win his spiritual battle with Satan, we can use this tool to draw near to God, acknowledge that victory comes by his power and not our own. God is the one who can help us overcome any obstacle in our life. The next one is, he can calm, he can sleep in a storm. I've got that one there for a reason. I'm just trying to remember the reason why I have that one there. The reason I said that Jesus can sleep in a storm is because we won't look at all the scripture because time is running away and I've got a couple more that I'll need to get through, is they all went out into a boat and Jesus' humanity caused him that he felt tired and it said he was napping in the boat. That's what Jesus was doing. And then the disciples called out going, Jesus, we're going to drown. This big storm's coming. The water's overtaking us. And Jesus got out and we all know the story. He rebuked the winds and the waves and they were still. And they were going, what? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Can I say to you, Jesus never promised that we weren't going to have storms in life. The fact is, he actually told us the opposite. Now we can put up that next one that was there. No, they've gone. Um, what Jesus did tell us, I have told you that there will be trials and sorrows in this world. But take heart, Jesus says, because I've overcome the world. And then we got that favourite scripture that we all love in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a, has a chance to grow. So what Jesus is saying, even when you're in the storm, I'm with you all the way. And you know what? I'm just trying to get a bit of character development happening at the moment. And that will bring us to the next part. Oh, we love this one. And it says, He would bring life 
to any party. Who wants a Jesus who can bring life to any party? It's not meant to be boring or starchy or anything like that. And the story we're going to look at is the story when Jesus turned the water into wine. And this was actually Jesus's first recorded miracle. It might not have been his first miracle, but let's quickly go through it. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The fact that they were invited to a celebration meant that they probably liked going to a party and they liked going out. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus's mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Now, Jesus wasn't catching any monkeys here. He was just like going, mum, not now. But, but that mum was kind of one of those mums like my mum who was not going to take no for an answer. So what does this mum say? But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip out some and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water... That was now wine, not knowing where it had come from. Of course, the servants knew he called the bridegroom over saying, most people bring out the best stuff first and you save the best till last. And it's saying that was the first miraculous sign in Cana of Galilee. Now, can I just say to you, I am not a Bible theologian, but when I just was thinking of that whole thing with the mother, Jesus' mother, turning the water into wine. Like Jesus, his mother knew what Jesus was capable of. So I kind of said, I just asked Pastor Rob, I said, maybe that was like, you know how you've seen those birds and they kind of get that little one out the nest, like so that it learns how to fly. And then I was saying my same theology to Pastor Kylie and Pastor Kylie said, but maybe he had done that at home before. Maybe the family had run out of something and Jesus had provided. So the mum knew what he was capable of doing. And I went, yeah, fair call. But anyways, that was my little translation on that. But, you know, us mummers, sometimes we can see what's in our kids. So maybe that's why we do what we do. They go, come on, you can do that. You're more than capable. The next one is, we'll skip through these next couple really quick. He was not materialistic. And I think we know that about Jesus. He wasn't a showy man. He didn't have to have the best. And he did say, but Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He wasn't worrying about what's my next kitchen going to look like? What's the next car that I'm going to drive? What what suburb am I going to live in? He wasn't materialistic. He was worried about his relationship with his heavenly father because he knew what was more important. The, The next one was he was a giver. Everything about God's character is giving. He says, but Christ shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. There is no more important gift than that. Musicians can come, so then you think I'm on the downward spiral. The last one that I want to talk about is he saves the best till last. We need to remember that heaven is our home. We, but we are citizens of heaven. 
not of Port Lincoln, or you can add your town in there, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. We've got to remember this, Christians. And non-Christians, you can give your heart to Jesus. If you do not know who Jesus is, you can come and talk to me after the service. I want to tell you who this Jesus is that I've been talking about all morning. It says, My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you about that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. And I know the way to the place that I am going. You've got to understand, we had... My niece passed away last week. She had a brain tumour. She'd been struggling for five years. But can I tell you, we have hope because she knew Jesus and I knew that Jesus has gone away to prepare a place for Lara. Because we've got to remember that. We think everything's going to be perfect until we go something, oh, I can't say anything because I'm sad. And, and the Bible says you grieve with those who grieve and you mourn with those who mourn. So you're allowed to do that. But ultimately our hope is in the Lord. He says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. It means we cry and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Remember that everything he says is trustworthy and true. He also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. All To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all the blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. So as we're drawing to a close, my whole purpose of my message is we have our as usuals. We have them, whether good or bad. But I'm telling you, we need to align our life with the as usuals of Jesus. So that might mean if we tend to spend too much time on the computer, on our phone or other devices, we need to say, God, we know this habit isn't healthy and sometimes you cannot replace these habits on your own. But you know who He's given you? He's given you the Holy Spirit to help you. Sometimes we grumble and complain about everything. Have you got a grumbler in your family? They'll grumble about the food that you're cooking. They'll grumble about the weather. They grumble about work. They grumble about anything, really. We sometimes have some people in our world who just react to everything. It doesn't matter if it's good, bad or indifferent. They are reactors. But you know what God says? I want you to come and follow me. I want your, as usual, I'm telling you the way. I'm showing you the way to be lined up with mine. And as I said to you, the only way that we can do it, the only way I can do it is by having the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who wants to come alongside me, who wants to be my comforter, who wants to be my guide, is going to give me, when I rely on Him, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And against against such, there is no law. So he wants to give us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness and gentleness. And again and again, because there's no law about the amount of times that he wants to give you what you need. So what this is called, 
God says He wants to renew our mind. He wants to renew the way that we think. And sometimes we have got such a well-worn pathway of our as usuals. Well-worn. Come to our house, have a look at the dog track that our dogs have made when Rob feeds them every night. He opens the gate and they just do laps. They have done dug such a well-worn path that you can't even get the ride on lawnmower over any. It's got a big divot in it. Do you know what? When your mind is like that, from you doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, without the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. You can have all the self-will, all the self. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to know today is we need the Holy Spirit. This whole theme this year is to be fruitful. I don't know about you, but I want my as usuals to be fruit producing in my life. So why don't you close your eyes and we're going to pray together. So thank you, Lord, that you love us enough not to leave us the same way. We want our as usuals to be in line with your as usuals. We rely on you, Holy Spirit, to help us produce good fruits in our life that we can live a nourished life. Thank you that you want to come right alongside of me. We trust in your leading, Lord. We want you to take the reins and have control. We need your help. We tell you that we need your help. We ask you to take the reins of our heart, Lord. And we just want to say that we love you.